Our scripture lesson today is taken from Matthew 5. It is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm only going to read um, verses 10 and 10 through 12 as you will hear um, all of the Beatitudes in the sermon. But this is the conclusion to the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. May God grant me to speak with judgment and to have thoughts of what I have received. For God is the guide even of wisdom and the corrector of the wise. For both we and our words are in God's hand. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Throughout the history of Judaism and Christianity and other religions of the world as well, people led by their faith have stood up for what they believe and have often suffered for it. In the biblical days, we see Joseph thrown into prison for resisting an overture from Pharaoh's wife and Jeremiah thrown into a cistern because of delivering God's message of criticism to the people of Judah and Jerusalem, Jeremiah's own family and kin. We see Daniel surviving a lion's den and his companions Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego surviving a fiery furnace as each had refused to renounce their faith or cease their prayers as the emperor had decreed. In the New Testament, we see Joseph and Mary fleeing to Egypt with their infant son to escape Herod's deadly order. The Magi returning home by an alternate route to, to avoid the same tyrannical ruler. And both John the Baptist and Stephen losing their lives for the Christ. One who has come to announce and the other to follow. In our nation, people of faith have at times reviled and even given their lives. They have sought to help establish our country on the ideals of the Declaration of Independence and then on the United States Constitution, which live alongside and are consistent with much of our faith. And people of faith have been reviled as they have sought to help move us toward greater realization of our ideals during periods since our founding. One of the highest points of such living out, in my opinion, has occurred in the multi-century struggle to abolish slavery and establish civil rights in our land. We remember Christians who were at the forefront of those movements. The Quaker Benjamin Lay, the orator Frederick Douglass, 
the new Moses, Harriet Tubman. The woman who wouldn't give up her seat, Rosa Parks. Fannie Lou Hamer, who simply was sick and tired of being sick and tired. The Presbyterian minister, James Reeb. And of course, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. As we keep current on world affairs and move closer to our own day, we continue to be moved by examples of international heroism, much of it inspired by religious faith. The people and leaders of Ukraine, women in Afghanistan and Iran, citizens of China, and Russian dissidents, decade after decade. Ye holy twelve, ye martyrs strong, all saints triumphant, raise the song. It is doubtless this heroic faith that Jesus had in mind when he shared with a small group of initial disciples the opening to the Sermon on the Mount, the central core of his teaching in Matthew. Jesus spoke in lyrical sentences that we have come to to know as the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness For they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. For they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These Beatitudes then close with a crescendo that moves from the general to the specific, from the public to the personal, from third person to second person. Blessed are you, Jesus says, when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This kind of revilement and persecution is a horrible thing. It is horrible because it happens far too often. It is horrible because it often moves from violent language to violent actions. It is horrible because it happens across centuries and nations aimed at secular and religious alike. No geography is immune from such revilement and persecution. Yet in many religious faiths, our included, such suffering is also held up as holy 
In that the people who experience it, who have sometimes entered into it with eyes wide open, do so because they are responding to a voice that comes from beyond themselves, but which they recognize as the voice of God, speaking within themselves in a whisper they hear more often with their hearts or their consciences than with their ears. Blessed are you, the voice whispers, when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Though most of us do not hear a voice calling us to martyrdom at home or abroad, We can hear, figuratively or literally, a voice that calls us in a situation we face by default or by choice to act out of the deepest convictions of our faith, out of our deepest sense of what is right, or out of the mysterious combination of the two. For nearly all of us, times will arise and do arise and should arise when we hunger and thirst for what is right and just and true in our work, in our community, in events and challenges before our nation. Times will arise and do arise and should arise when we hunger and thirst for what is right in a relationship that means so much to us but has a continuing flaw that keeps us from giving ourselves fully to it or receiving fully from it. Times will arise and do arise and should arise when we hunger and thirst for what is right in our family, immediate or extended, whose weaknesses we have finally recognized but are willing to face because of the kinship And love, we are not yet ready to seed. As children and youth become adults, and as adults live with long experience across the years in this latter and lengthy stage of life called adulthood, it is not simply the public or political in which we yearn to do what is right, it is also in the personal and familial where we hunger and thirst for things to be right, even when it means experiencing rejection and revilement. People from time to time say to me, I don't see how you can be a pastor. How can you go to the hospital when someone is dying? How can you be around so much sadness? Those of us who don this pulpit garb do see a fair amount of death. We do see a fair amount of illness. We do see a fair amount of sadness. But we also see multitudes of courage, fortitude, commitment, love. People most often quietly seeking to do the right thing day after day, year after year, and more often than not doing it. For many years, there's been a popular expression going around, what would Jesus do? 
A similar version of this question often comes in the form of a statement like, if we would all just live according to the Sermon on the Mount, then the world would be fine. I agree with the spirit behind both of these statements, but I prefer to reframe them along slightly different lines. Instead of asking, what would Jesus do? I suggest we ask, what would the God that I have come to know through Jesus Christ have me do? Drawing on all that I know about God, about Christ, about the Holy Spirit, and drawing on what I know about the situation before me, what would God have me do? When we ask this question, we can find within ourselves enormous courage in the moment at hand, sometimes day in and day out, sometimes across decades for the situations we face, for the world in which we live, for the living of our days. Speaking to all of us who seek to make daily decisions about what is right. Jesus promises that we will be blessed in the present. For acting on that hunger and thirst and seeking what is right. Though the hunger may not be fully satisfied nor the thirst fully assuaged. The times of blessing we know in the present will become fulfillment in the future. When God acts to complete His reign and rule, and all things are set right, all things are made new. Even when in our hunger and thirst for what is right, we are questioned, opposed, reviled, shunned, passed by, eyes rolled by people around us we can rest with some sense of peace that we are doing the right thing and at times this peace can lead us to rejoice and be glad what would God have us do On this day, I cannot help but comment, albeit in a preliminary way, on the death of Tyree Nichols at the hands of police officers in the city in which I grew up. I've read news accounts, as you have, and watched portions of the video shown on cable news. But I have not watched the entire hour's length that has been available. I have simply never had the stomach for watching violence on the screen. Conscientious Christians have been asking for several years, what would God have us do about violence that is so often per perpetrated disproportionately against black men and women in our cities? Even when it is perpetrated, as in this case, by black men and in this instance, as black officers of the law on another black man. 
It is my hope that the relative speedy reaction of officials to the brutal death of Tyree Nichols represents some learning on the part of our nation for how to handle the complicated issues of urban policing since the death of George Floyd in 2020. When I was 16 years old and a high school student, Memphis experienced a similar case in 1971 in which over a two-year period, four officers were arrested and tried for the death of a 17-year-old male, Elton Hayes. And all were acquitted in a matter of a few hours by an all-white, all-male jury. In the case of Tyree Nichols, I hope that the quick response of the police chief in dismissing the officers involved, the quick indictments, and the way city officials prepared the city and indeed the world for the release of the video have helped keep violence down and have helped move the process of justice forward. I hope that the family's praise of the work of the police chief and the district attorney in their response have helped keep the streets of Memphis, New York, and L.A., and Chicago, and Houston, and Washington more peaceful. I hope the calm of leaders in the majority black community in Memphis have added to an overall sense of justice that may, in fact, be done in this case. Behind that immediate hope, I pray that in the city in which I was raised and the nation in which I have spent my entire life have ordinary citizens and wise leaders asking what many in the highly religious population of Memphis seem to be asking, what would God have us do so that rectification of racial injustice in our nation may come a bit closer? What would God have us do so that those who have suffered all kinds of evil across the centuries and in our day will not have suffered in vain? What would God have us do so that all who hunger and thirst for racial rectification and have faced revilement and persecution for their hunger and thirst will find some reason, even in this life, even after this terrible death, some reason, some hope to rejoice and be glad. That is where we all want to be. And that is where the best tradition and commitment to the Christian faith can help get us.
Amen.